Sophia Mamungoi. Now, briefly share with us highlights from last week's sermon. First of all, we are reminded that we must crave the sincere word of God that makes us grow, not the word that puts fear in our hearts or the one that makes us feel that we are in bondage. No, we should crave the word of God that places emphasis on the finished works of Jesus Christ. And then the four points that complete the oracles or the principles of Christ are teaching about different baptisms. You know, the word baptism is baptism and mean it means to be immersed in water. But in the new covenant, being baptized means being identified with Christ. This identification or this union is so deep that now God cannot see us outside Christ. The second one is laying on of hands. And um, God put laying on of hands in the church as a means of transferring power. And God would not want us to despise this. The third one is resurrection from the dead. As believers, no, not as believers, everybody's going to die someday. But as believers, we should not see death as a loss because we are going to enter into God's rest. God is going to give us a new body like that of Christ. And then we're going to be with him forever. And the last one is eternal judgment. The Bible says Christ has delivered us from the wrath to come. So therefore, we are not supposed to be afraid of the judgment that is coming because it's not coming on us. The judgment we are going to enter is to enter into the rest of God and to receive rewards from God. And then we learned five things that shows that we are still, or you are still baby Christian or um, someone who is still dominated by the flesh. And then that is jealousy, being quarrelsome, comparing yourself to others, people who behave like unbelievers and um, party spirits. But this is not to condemn us, no. This is just a point to us that we need to grow. And how do we grow? By feeding on the sincere milk of the word of God. Then finally, we learn that we are being clothed and enrobed with the righteousness of God. And therefore, we are not sinners anymore. God has taken our sins away and given us the righteousness of Christ Jesus. So, therefore, God has something to say to us today again. Stay tuned for the message. Father, we just want to thank you this morning. We want to thank you for a wonderful time of worship. Thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost that is present with us. Thank you, Almighty God, for what you are going to do this morning. Thank you for liberation in the house. Thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you that you have made us righteous like yourself. Thank you for the word that will come out this morning. This word will set people free. Will set people free. We make us to run. And, be, and enjoy the inheritance that we already have with the rest of the saints. Thank you so much, Father, in the name of Jesus. Make these words of mine enter into the hearts of men, men and women, in the name of Jesus. And wake us up. Wake us up. Help us to run. Equip us, O God, for the work ahead. Take all the glory, Father, in the name of Jesus. May these words, O God, be sweet words to a thirsty soul. In the name of Jesus, may these words, Almighty God, be encouragement to someone who is despondent. May these words, Almighty God, today be the word that somebody needs to receive is our healing in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. We pray. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Today, I will continue the message I started last week called Pierced by the Revelation of Righteousness pierced by the revelation of righteousness you know 
last week we started talking about spiritual growth and one of the things we spoke about spiritual growth we look at when somebody is a baby in christ what are the characteristics or what that they will ex exhibit one of the things we mentioned was that a person will be dominated by the works of the flesh this person will be dominated by the dictates of the flesh and i said the word keyword to take away is the word dominated dominated means this thing is ruling that person's ruling the person's life right you know the person is jealous or envious of other people and the other thing i also mentioned is that this person is not yielding to the life of the spirit there is no yielding to the life of the spirit which means when you look at the person's fruit that they produce outwardly is like that of an unbeliever you you probably will not be able to see the difference so much between this person and an unbelievers except the fact that maybe they go to church regularly but it doesn't mean the person has not given their lives to jesus what it means is that they have not really understood who they are in christ and the last point we mentioned last week about the characteristics of being a baby in Christ is what? To not understand the doctrine of righteousness. If you don't understand the doctrine of righteousness, the Bible is very clear that you are still a baby in Christ. And like I said last week, being a baby in Christ has nothing to do with how long you have been born again. It has nothing to do with how long you've been born again. It has a lot to do with have you been exposed to the doctrine of righteousness? Do you know who you are in Jesus? Do you know how righteous God has made you? And are you taking that righteousness that you now have in your spirit? Are you working that out in your day-to-day -day affairs? That is what it means to transition from babyhood to adulthood. And why should we pursue growing in Christ because that is the mandate of God God wants us to move from babyhood to adulthood of Christianity you think about it this way you have a child but a child refuses to grow are you gonna be happy about that of course you won't be happy about that you know now even though when we became born again we received the life of God 100% in our spirit I'll say that again when you became born again the fullness of the life of god has been imparted to your spirit which means god did not give a measure of himself to me and give a quarter of himself to you no god gave of himself 100 percent into my spirit which means the same spirit that is in jesus is the same spirit that is in me 100 percent. god did not give token and token and token god gave each one of us the fullness of the spirit of god okay but the challenge is you have to learn to cooperate with that spirit. And how do you learn to cooperate with the spirit? The very first thing you need to learn is to study the word. When you study the word, the word of God is a living word. Hebrews chapter 4 says that. It's a living word, an active word that will energize your life. That will power your life. As you study the word, the word when you assimilate the word into your system it produces life in your spirit remember your spirit is already alive to god so as you study the word now the word of god goes into your spirit and your spirit catches fire as it were and you begin to work that out in your life remember in first thessalonians chapter 5 the bible says we are tripartite human being we are spirits we have a soul we live in a body. So this body you see here is not the real us. This body, when we, when we need to check out of here, we'll go back to the ground. But our spirit is eternal. It is that spirit of us that God has come into to change our lives. So in order for me, therefore, to make the spirit of God that is in me, to dominate my life, I have to study the word. That's why the Bible says we should sincerely desire the spiritual make of the word of God so that we may grow thereby. One way in which God has made available for his children to grow is through studying the word of God. Okay, now, but when you are studying the word of God, you must study the word of God in context. Don't study the word of God outside of Jesus. When you study the word of God, ask the question, this word that I'm studying, 
is it based on the new real, new new covenant reality or is it based on the old covenant because god has changed the covenant god has done away with the old covenant as a means of obtaining righteousness with him god has made a new way available and that way is found in no other person than jesus christ so it behoves you and me to find out what has god said about me what has god declared me to be because of what christ has done for me that must be our lifetime quest when we keep asking when we keep searching and when we keep making sure that the outworking of our fellowship with god is based on the merit of jesus christ alone praise god forevermore so last week we spoke about those things we spoke about being a baby means that you are still uh engaged in the the the, the works of the flesh or what i call dominated by the the mindset of the flesh rather the mindset of the flesh so it it shows itself in jealousy being jealous of other people's progress or comparing yourself to somebody else or being quarrelsome or behaving like unbelievers you know just doing things like an unbeliever would there's no difference between you and an unbeliever or getting into groups you know uh, i'm of this pastor i'm of that pastor god said all of that all of that stuff there is essentially mindset of the flesh the second part of the equation is not to allow the influence of the spirit of god to dominate us god said when you are when you are displaying these emotions or you are behaving or like the outworking of the characters that you display is around this area you are still a baby in christ and the third one is to not understand the doctrine of righteousness so last week i ended up when i was given an example about the righteousness that we have in jesus about why it is important absolutely important to understand the doctrine of righteousness if you want to grow do you understand what i'm saying okay praise god so what i want to do now is step into the topic of pierced by the revelation of righteousness now if you look at the text that i just shared now it is for your heart to be pierced to be grasped to, to for you to be grasped by a, a thing called righteousness a thing called the doctrine of righteousness my prayer this morning is that your heart will be grasped you know with the doctrine of what it means to be right with god and the word used here is the word revelation righteousness is a revelation it's a revelation that, that will come to your subconscious mind that will come into your heart and that, and once your heart receives this revelation your work with the lord we take on a new trajectory that you've never experienced before in the text hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 to 13 the bible says for you should already be already be professors instructing others by now but instead you need to be taught from the beginning the basics of god's prophetic oracles you are like children still needing milk and not yet ready to digest solid food for every spiritual infant, a baby, who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. It means that if you don't want to live on milk, you need to allow your heart to be what? To be pierced by the revelation of righteousness. So last week I defined what righteousness means. So I'm going to define it again. Righteousness means to be as righteous as God himself. And that may sound like heresy, but wait until we go through the conversation. Righteousness means for you, it means to stand before a thrice holy God without a sense of condemnation, guilt, shame, or inferiority complex. I'll define that again. Righteousness for you and I means the ability to stand before a thrice holy God without a sense of condemnation without a sense of guilt without a sense of inferiority complex or without a sense of shame it means to have to have a right standing before god just like jesus has to have a right standing before god just like jesus has righteousness means the ability to stand before god without a sense of condemnation it means the ability for you to come into the presence of God 
as a child of God, not as a servant of God. It means the freedom to come before your father at any point in time and know that you will never be rejected. Righteousness is a sense of identity that God wants you to have. That means you can come before the highest throne in the universe and know fully well that you will never ever be rejected. Praise God forevermore. I hope that makes sense to you. That is what it means to be righteous. So we look at a picture last week in the book of Zechariah chapter 3. I'm going to start from there. Let us read. Zechariah chapter 3 from verses 1. I'm going to be going to verses 7. So what I want to do today is I want to step in through this text, link it back to the new covenant, what it means to be righteous, and then we'll take it from there. Is that okay? Praise God. The Bible said, then the angel of the angel showed me Yeshua or Jeshua, rather, Jeshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I the Lord reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. So the angel said to the, to the others standing there, Take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, See, I have taken away your sins. And now I'm giving you this fine new clothes. Verse 5. Then said, Then I said, That is Zechariah now, the guy who's seen this vision, said, They should also place a clean turban on his head, make him a priest. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes, while the angel of the Lord stood by. Verse 6. Then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Joshua and said, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple. Keyword, you'll be given what? Authority over my temple and its courtiers. And I'll let you walk among these others standing there. So we want to go into this text and expound it a bit so that you can see the beautiful thing here. Now, the book of Zechariah was written. Everything, everything in the Old Testament, by the way, points to Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament, types and shadows, points to Jesus. So how does this text point to points to Jesus, and how does it? What does it mean for us? Let's let's dissect it a bit. A couple of things to know. First of all, is when you look in this text, there are a number of things that I want to call out. Number one, Joshua, that you see there, is a type of the believer. This is a vision that was given to Zechariah, though this was alluding to the nation of Israel at that point in time. But you can take this text. And see that this person who has the filthy clothes removed is a type of the believer who has been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's light. Okay, so Joshua is a type of the believer. The angel of the Lord, anywhere you see the angel of the Lord in the Bible with a capital A at the beginning, refers to the person of Jesus Christ. This is the pre-incarnate Jesus. This is Jesus Christ before he came into the world to be born as a baby. That is who he was. The angel of the Lord is Jesus. Now, the accuser, of course, is Satan, the one who is always accusing us and say, we are not good enough, we can't do this, we can't do that, God will not hear us. That is the accuser. Now, where is the location of this event? The Bible didn't say the location of the event, but we know that this event happened, you know, in the spirit. It's a spiritual event that occurred. Okay, so we, we know that. Now, what about the new clothes? The new clothes really is the robe of righteousness. Is the fact that this person has now been given a cloth that qualifies him to stand before God. What other thing qualifies you to stand before God? Righteousness. Righteousness means that sense you have that makes you to stand before God without a sense of condemnation, guilt, shame, or inferiority complex. This new robe was given to this person where the filthy garment, which is the, 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 the body of sin, the garment of sin was taken away and it was given a new garment, the garment of righteousness. Okay, so 
when the enemy accuses you, if you go back, when the enemy, enemy accuses you, if you go back to that text, when the enemy accuses you, what do you think is happening in the spirit? Let's go back to here. Let's go back to what God did. The Bible here says, the angel showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. This person, Joshua, you, standing before Jesus. The accuser, Satan, was there at the other side. It's a spiritual reality. And is making accusation against you. He's saying, you are a bad parent. He's saying, you are a bad child. He's saying, God does not love you. He's saying, you're not good enough. He's saying, you're not pretty enough. He's saying, you're, you're not wise enough. He's saying, you can't make it in life. He's saying, look at you. Who do you think you are? He's saying, blah, 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 blah. He's putting condemnation in different direction upon your life. But look at what the Lord Jesus did. He said, I, the Lord, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen this one rebukes you. This man or this child or you who listen to me right now, you've given your life to Jesus? Yes, the Bible says you are like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Which fire? The fire of condemnation. The fire of accusation. The fire of the kingdom of darkness. You have been snatched from that fire. So why that accusation is really in your mind, trying to make your mind to go crazy, in the realm of the spirit, this is what is happening. The Lord is saying to Satan, shut up. My blood speaks for this one. 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 You know, in the book of First John chapter 2, the Bible says that if anyone sin, we have an atoning redeemer. We have a righteous redeemer who prays for us. First John chapter 2. Let's look at it. So he reads, You are my dear children, and I write these things to you so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving redeemer who is face to face with the Father. And his name is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. When you look at this and you compare this, this view in the new covenant to what happened to Joshua, when, it, when, when the Lord Jesus rebuked, rebuked Satan and said, the Lord rebuke you, this one is like a stick that has been snatched out of fire. The Bible here is saying, there's someone who stands before God Almighty, our Father. His name is Jesus Christ. When the accuser comes with thoughts, filling your mind with conversations of low self-worth, filling your mind with thoughts that you are not good enough, that things are going to fall apart in your life, filling your mind with, mind with anxiety and pain and ache and regret of the past. That conversation going through your mind is the devil trying to put thought in your mind to make you go crazy. There's one in the spirit who is speaking a different language. And two things he's doing is rebuking Satan and say, get thee here, my blood still speaks for this one. He's also speaking life into your, into, your, into your spirit. He's telling you, you are better than this, you are good. I don't see you the way you see yourself. And when you look in this first John chapter 2, the Bible here says, when I, I this conversation, this text is written to you so that you don't fall into sin. You don't make sin a lifestyle. But you say, but peradventure you find yourself stumbling because it is when you stumble, when you make a mistake, that's when the enemy comes with guilt and condemnation, all right? And says, you're not good enough. Look at you, look at you, look at you. If you, are, if you are this and that and that, why will you do this and that and that? You call yourself a child of God. If you're a child of God, how will you do that? Do you know the story about that lady that was caught in adultery? When the, she was brought in there, and the, the people, you know, the self-righteous people were casting stones or no, were casting accusation. They were pointing fingers. And Jesus Christ wrote on the, on the ground and said, if you are without sin, if you have never been caught up in the things you are pointing fingers at, then cast the first stone. The Bible said not one person remained. They all left because they checked in their heart and realized 
we are not good enough by ourselves. If you are trying to count righteousness by the things we did or by the things we're doing, we, we don't stand a chance. They packed their bags and skittle and then they, they, they got out of the scene. And Christ said, did no one accuse you? He said, I do not accuse you yourself. Go and sin no more. Look at that. It is not our accuser. It's our redeemer. Christ is not our accuser. It's our redeemer. He's not our accuser. It's our forgiver. And he says here, I write these things to you so that you will not sin. But if you find yourself by peradventure in a state of sin or you stumble and fall or you, you are walking on the street and you, you sort of miss your step and the enemy start to whisper in your ears, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know, if you're a child of God, you shouldn't be doing that. The Bible says, I want you to know something. That even when you are in that state, when you find yourself tripping, that we continually have. We continually have a forgiving redeemer. This word forgiving redeemer, in the Aramaic language, it means the word advocate. I know the word it means. It means the redeemer who hands the curse. The redeemer who hands the curse. And therefore, where is the redeemer who hands the curse? It means it does not bring curse upon your life. How could it be a redeemer who hands the curse and still brings curses upon your life? That is an that is a misnomer. That doesn't make it make any sense at all. Well, so when somebody says God placed a curse on someone, a child of God? No, sir, I don't believe that. The Bible didn't 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 teach, teach us that. The Bible said Christ is the one who ended the curse. When he hung on, the, on that cross at Calvary's hill, Galatians 3 verse 13 says he, that, that Christ became a curse for us so that the blessings of Abraham can come upon us. You see, what I'm saying to you here, that that is a blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham does not include curses. That blessing was given to Abraham purely 100% by grace. So now he is the, our forgiving redeemer. When you trip up or if you trip up, and you find yourself in a state of doldrum, there is still a forgiven redeemer who is pleading your case. Who is saying to you, no, no, you are still righteous. My blood still speaks for you. No, no, you are still righteous, child. Pick up yourself and let's keep on going. You are still righteous. You are my child. My blood still speaks for you. So we have a forgiven redeemer. But this forgiven redeemer is face to face with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Is Jesus Christ the righteous one? Do you see the interplay of words here? The interplay of words here essentially is in the state where you find yourself, there is a righteous one who is still making a claim of righteousness, even in that state. Even when you find yourself falling, God is still your father. I'll say that again. Even when you find yourself in a state that you are not meant to be, God is still your father. So when Joshua was standing before the angel of the Lord, who is Jesus Christ right now, and the accuser is yapping, 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 God said, no, this one is righteous. This one I have chosen. This one is righteous. The Lord who has chosen this one, rebuke you. And that is what is going on in the spirit. Every time that the enemy brings thoughts of condemnation or guilt into your mind, I want you not to forget what Jesus Christ is doing in the spirit for you is that he is saying, no, you are still righteous. No, you are still righteous. I have chosen you. You are still righteous. The choice of you by God is not dependent on what you have done or left undone. The choice of God of you is an act of grace that he has done by himself. He made that choice. There's, there was nothing in the text that we read earlier about Joshua that suggested that Joshua did something to qualify for being chosen. No, it was just that I chose this one. I chose this one. Therefore, the Lord rebuke you. Praise God. Now, if you go back to 1 John chapter 2 again, the Bible says Jesus Christ, who is a righteous one, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Do you know what the word atoning sacrifice means? The Bible uses the word called the mercy seat. It means Christ is the mercy seat. Christ is the place of atonement for the sins, for our sin. So when the enemy is trying to place blame upon you, you should remind that thought that says there is there, there has been a satisfaction for my mistake. And that satisfaction was done, achieved by the man jesus christ praise god the bible says jesus christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sin the word atoning sacrifice is the satisfaction of sin or the word mercy seat it is our mercy seat praise god christ is our mercy seat but not just for ours alone 
is the atoning sacrifice of the entire world. What does that mean? There are three things we pick up from here. Number one, Christ is our forgiving redeemer. When we trip, there's one who is our forgiver. There's one who is our redeemer. There's one who is also our intercessor. He is praying for us. Praise God. Number two, he is the one who suffered in our place. He suffered in our place. He died in our place. And number three, he cleanses and shelters us. He cleanses and shelters us. That's what he does. So when we look at this text, we see the beauty of Jesus. So I want you also to go back to the story of Joshua. So you've seen that in the new covenant, what Jesus Christ is doing for you. He is the atoning sacrifice for your sin. He is the mercy seat for your sin. He is the forgiving redeemer even when you mess up. And he is, he is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. All right, We see that is what he's doing today. Today in heaven, what Christ is doing for you is that what is your forgiving redeemer right is the one who paid for the sins that you have done he paid for them in the, in the eyes of god they no longer exist number three is also the the payment for the sins of the whole world what the world just needs to do is to what to receive him so when we take this concept of jesus christ now in the new covenant and bring that concept back into this text let's look at the way it's going to look shall we now okay the bible here says the Lord said to Satan, when the accusation was going, ba 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 ba, the Lord said to him, Shut up, Satan. I reject your accusation. The Lord who has chosen Davis rejects your accusation and rebukes you. This Davis that you are looking at is a man, it's like a burning stick. He has been snatched from the fire of hell. He has been snatched from the fire of destruction. He has been snatched from the fire of sickness. He has been snatched from the fire of poverty. He has been snatched from the fire of low life. He has been snatched from the fire of anxiety and, and, and any form of negativity. He has been snatched from that fire. And you could say the same thing for you. Do you know that's what God is saying over your life? When the accuser comes into your mind, the word of the Lord over you is, you have been snatched from the fire of that. So don't give in to that. Don't give in to that. You say what God say back. You open your mouth and say, I have been snatched from this fire. You don't have a right over my life. I am healed, I'm blessed, I'm, 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 I'm righteous because God has made me so. I, I, I refuse your negativity, Satan. I refuse your thought process. I refuse to accept it in the name of Jesus. That is the way to counter the lies of the enemy. Do you understand what I'm saying? You must open your mouth and say back, rehash, back what God has said over that thought process. That is how you take thought captive. When the thought comes, say what God says about you. So you might not see this in the, in the physical, but this is what God is saying in the, in, the, in, the, in the spiritual realm. This is what is actually happening in this text. And this is a type of the believer. Okay, that's point number one we covered there. Let's go back to what God did again. Now, so enemy comes to accuse you. I want you to know, never forget, God sees you righteous and holy and blameless. He has made you also a priest unto him. What do we mean by that? Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to this text here. In verse 3, verse 3, the Bible says, Joshua was, was clothing, was filthy as he stood there before the angel because of the things he's done, right? But look at what God did. Verse 4, take off this filthy cloth. How did I know that God has made us righteous? Verse 4 says, the angel of the Lord turned to Joshua and said, See, I have taken away your sins, and now I'm giving you these fine new clothes. I have taken away your sins. I have taken away your sins. The, the context that helps us to know that we are righteous is that our sins have been forgiven. You cannot lay claim that you can stand before God without a sense of guilt, condemnation, inferiority complex, or shame if you are sin conscious. If you are conscious of your faults, which was what was happening to Joshua in Joshua chapter 3 when the Bible said he was still standing before the, before the priest, right, with that filthy, filthy clothes. And God had to take that cloth away. Do you know what that means? It means that even though the thought is coming into your mind, befuddling your mind with all sort of negativity and telling you you're not qualified, you're not good enough, and in the spirit, God is saying these truths that you cannot see. You can still stand before God with a sense of condemnation and guilt. 
you can stand but god is not seeing you like that but you are seeing yourself like that you stand before god with a sense of guilt and condemnation and god had to do something god had to send this kind of message into you to read your mind of that thought process god had to say come on take the, take that clothes away i no longer see this person like that you might be seeing yourself as filthy as sinful as not good enough but god is not seeing you like that god is not seeing you like that god says take away the clothes the filthy clothes so your filthy clothes have been taken away and God says something when he took the filthy clothes away. Look at what he said. He said, see, I have taken away your sins. So the filthy clothes represent the sin consciousness, the consciousness of sin that you have, that you carry about it. I'm a sinner. I'm not good enough. God, will not, God does not love me. God will not walk in my life. That, those thought process, they are thoughts that represent filthy clothes. And God says, let's take them away. So he took them away and he made a proclamation and said, see, I have taken away your sins and now I'm giving you a fine new clothes keyword now I have taken away your sins and now I give you this new clothes you cannot have sin taken away and nothing is given praise God God took away our sins but there was an exchange God gave us what righteousness he gave us this fine new clothes God is saying the same thing to you is saying the voice of accusation that you hear is not coming from me. The voice of accusation that the devil tries to put on you is not coming from you. The devil has plagued you so much with thoughts that says you are not good enough. Thoughts that keep yapping, yapping, yapping in your mind. You almost lose your mind. God says, I must to tell you, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. I remember them no more. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25 says, I only I. I only I, I am he who wipes what wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. God is saying, I am the one, he's saying now that he is the one who does what who wipes out your transgressions. Why, for his own sake, God saved you, God forgave you, God delivered you for his own sake. He did that for his own sake, God saved you. God delivered you. God forgave you for his own sake, for the sake of his name. He didn't just do it for you. He did it for himself. Praise God forevermore. And he says, I will not remember your sins. I will not. Not I may not. I will not remember your sins. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, God said, I will not remember your sin. And I've said before, the word will, the word will or the word shall is a most definitive word. It's a most strong word in the, in the English language. And it means as surely as I've said, it's going to happen. God said, I will not remember your sins. Now, if God is not remembering your sins. Why are you holding on to them? Why are you sleeping with them? Why are you hugging them? Why are you taking a stroll in the park with them? God says, I will not remember your sins. Don't keep looking back. Don't keep looking back and say, oh man, look at what happened five years ago. God does not even remember. Look at what Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 says in the KJV. The Bible says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. I will remember no more again i will remember no more again i will remember no say with me god does not remember my past say it again god does not remember my past say it like you mean it god does not remember my past i don't have a past i don't have a past i don't have a past they don't exist. Why? Because the slate has been wiped clean. Romans 8.1 says, And there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Because why? You are in Christ Jesus. In Romans, in Romans 8.1, the TPT says, So now the case is closed. We have brought this whole conversation to a conclusion. What is the conclusion? There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with jesus the anointed one there's no voice of no accusing voice of condemnation you know this word no accusing voice it means not one is allowed not one accusing voice is allowed to function in your life so when that thought comes to you and say oh you're not good enough look at you look at that look at that that is not the voice of god remember what god is saying in the spirit he's saying the lord rebuke you satan this one has been snatched out of fire praise god forevermore now it's up to you will you receive that 
when you receive that as the word of God. No one can condemn. No one can condemn or should condemn those whom God has justified. God is the one that has justified you. Romans 8.33 in the Amplified Version says, Who will bring any charge against God's elect? That is his chosen one. You see what the word? The chosen one. It is God who justifies us. It is God who declares us blameless and puts us in right relationship with himself. Now, I want you to look at this text. Romans 8.33 again. Who will bring any charge? Who is allowed? Who is qualified to bring any charge? Any charge? Any whatsoever charge? Whatsoever condemnation? Whatsoever guilt? Whatsoever accusation against those whom God has chosen? The word here is elected one, chosen one. If you go back to that Joshua and um, Zechariah chapter three, we, we looked at earlier. What did God say to to Satan? God said. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, the God, the Lord who has elected Jerusalem, rebukes you. So you can see this text is saying, God, when God chooses you, He rebukes the devil for, on your for your on your behalf. He rebukes and rejects accusation of the enemy on your behalf. He, he does that. So when the Bible says, "Who is who can bring a charge against God's elect?" It's essentially saying. Nobody can do that. Why? Because in the spirit, God rejects every claim that the enemy makes. God rebukes the devil for your sake. He does that. Why? Because he has justified you. The Bible says, it is God who justifies. Now, another word I want to call out here is the word justifies. You know, justifies here means just as if you have never sinned. Justifies means just as if you have never sinned just as if you have never sinned but do you know justifies in this text is a present continuous it means god did not just justify you when you became born again it continually justifies you oh you know what that means it means when the thought is coming when the condemnation is coming you can go to the courtroom of heaven and say no i have been justified i was justified yesterday i'm justified now i'll be justified tomorrow that's why the bible says no one can lay a charge against you not in the court of heaven it's not going to stand why because it's the lord himself who justifies the lord has justified you he has put you in right relationship with himself I want you to look at this. Say it with me. God constantly declares me in right standing with himself. Let's say that again. God constantly declares me in right standing with himself. God constantly declares me to be in right standing with himself. Praise God forevermore. So let's go back to verse 5. Let's go back to verse 5. Verse 5 says, So they put a clean turban, a clean priestly turban on his head. And dressed him, dressed him in, in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. What does this mean for us under the new covenant? Well, the word taban, what is the use of the word taban? The taban is a headdress, is a headgear. This is something that the, the priest in those days will wear. So as part of the attire of the priest, as, as, as the, the attire of the priest is actually not complete unless he has a taban on his head. So in this text, you could see that. Uh, Joshua was given a robe of righteousness, but there was no turban on his head, which means his dressing is not complete. All right, you're, you're going to get in the moment. His dressing is not complete. So God gave him what? A turban. And that turban means his dressing is not complete. So you stand before God, complete, lacking nothing. You stand before God, complete, lacking nothing. Why? Because he is your completeness. God himself completes you. So, when you give your life to Jesus, when you stand before God, you stand complete, you lack nothing. You don't have a sense of inadequacy, a sense of inferiority complex. And that is righteousness. Righteousness means you can stand before God without a sense of guilt, condemnation, inferiority complex, or shame. To have an inferiority complex is to come to God with a servant mindset. Let me explain this to you in a different way. If you have a child, and your child has to come to you begging and peeping to come to your house or tiptoe to come into your room then that child is a servant even though that child might, 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 be, might be bearing your name but that child is a servant when we come to god the bible says we should come boldly to the throne of grace we should come what boldly to the throne of grace where we can receive help in time of need so it is when you are in time of need 
God is even saying come boldly. I don't understand whether you get what I'm saying. When you when you find yourself inadequate, when you find yourself not good enough, when you find yourself unqualified, that is the exact time that God, that God said, come boldly into the throne room of grace. Come boldly into the throne room of grace. Will you do that this morning? Will you choose to come boldly to the throne room of your father, knowing that nothing in this world will ever separate you from him? God wants you to come boldly. So they put a turban upon his head. Now, the, the, the turban now makes him to be what? A complete priest. The Bible calls it a, a priestly turban was put upon his head. So what this means for us as a new covenant creature is not only are we complete to stand before God, God has also brought us into the priestly office. The Bible says we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart to declare the glory of God. That's who we are. We are a royal nation. We are a priest, a royal priesthood. We are royalty who is also a priest. Why? What does a priest do? A priest stands in the gap for the people. A priest is an intercessor. A priest is a representation of God to the people. What does that mean for you? It means in your family. You are representing God in your family. You are representing God to your generation. You are representing God to people in your office. When some things are going down in your office, because you are there, you can kneel down and pray and say, no, I forbid this in the name of Jesus. When things are going around in your neighborhood, you can say, no, I'm a priest of God. I stand here and I forbid that in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, here is the question. Do you do this because you qualify by works you've done? Absolutely not. You did not do this. You're not doing it. You cannot do this because you qualify by action, by, by the works you are doing. You are doing this because somebody qualified you. Let me show you a scripture that will help you. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 to 6 says, in the Amplified Version, it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful and trustworthy, the faithful and trustworthy witness, the firstborn of the dead, and, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who always loves us and who has once and for all freed us or washed us from our sins by his own blood, his sacrificial death, and formed us into a kingdom as his subject, priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and power and majesty and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This scripture is so beautiful. Okay? But I'm running out of time. Okay? But let me show you what it says. Bible says, to him who always loves us. Oh, Father, thank you so much that you always love us. Thank you, Father, that you always love us. There's no time, not one time, that God does not love us. Even when you mess up. Even when you made a mistake. God's love for you is not hinged on what you have done and what you haven't done. To him who always loves us. Always means continually loves us. God continually loves us. And not only that, who has once and for all freed us. Hey, I don't know what you are, what you can see there. Once and for all, he freed us. Freed us from what? From the accusation of the enemy. From the kingdom of darkness. From the power of the enemy. From the guilt of sin. From the power of sin. He has once and for all saved us. He has done it in the past. He has already done it. He is not trying to do it again. It has already happened. He, the one who has once and for all freed us from our sins. How did he do it? By his own blood. Say with me, the blood of Jesus speaks for me. The blood of Jesus always speaks for me. One more time. The blood of Jesus always speaks for me. Praise God forevermore. And now he just didn't do that. He didn't just save us. Then he placed, he took us from that murray clay, washed us, cleansed us, purified us, and then he put us in an office, the office of the priest, so that we can now be intercessor for, for the people. Do you see how grace has worked in our life and our lives? Grace has brought us from the backwaters of life and made something beautiful with our lives. God did not just washed us and clean us and make us good he brought us into his own family and gave us an office as a priest to function in that office what we don't qualify for we receive and that is the absolute shocking truth about grace god brought us from the backwaters and brought us to the front line and said now you are my son now you are my daughter now you can pray for those people that did you bad now you can pray for those who that, that didn't treat you well you can pray for them because my grace is there to save them 
God brought you from the backwaters and brought you to the front and made you what? A priest unto himself. So you can issue commands as a king. You can intercede for others. Praise God. The last part of this in verse 6 says, Then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Joshua and said, This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among these others standing here. This one I'm going to spend a couple of minutes to explain it because when you see here, you almost think as if he's saying, under the old covenant, this is, this is all right. He said, if you do this, I will do this. If you do this, I will do this. And that is a, that's the purpose of the law. The law basically says, if you do this, then I will do this. When God gives them the law, the book of Deuteronomy, he says, if you do this, then I will do this. But under the new covenant, we are not doing to, to become. We are, and therefore we do. Totally two different things. Because of the faithfulness of Jesus, we step into this reality without any form of works. I'll say that again. When it says here, if you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple. Authority over my temple. But what did we get in Jesus? In the book of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus Christ said, I give you authority. What did we do to get our authority? Nothing. Nada. Zich. We didn't do nothing to get the authority. The authority was given to us as a product of grace because of what Christ has done. Christ won the victory it gave us the authority. Do you see what I'm saying? So if you look at this text, you can re, you can review, you can look at it with the mindset of the new covenant and look at that this text is saying, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Because you are in Christ, you now have authority over the temple of God. And you are able to walk among the spiritual. What does that mean? You see, this text was a picture that was given but when this guy was with the angels and the angel of the Lord. It's a spiritual engagement. What God is saying to you here is because you are in Christ and Christ has given you his authority by virtue of the authority of Christ on the earth that you now carry, you are able to wage war in the realm of the spirit and you win, which means you are not an ordinary person. Stop looking at yourself like an ordinary person. If a problem is going on in, in the world, you can kneel down right there in your house and decree and issue a decree as a king and intercede as a priest and walk in the realm of the supernatural. Why? Because that is your birthright. That is what you have been given in Christ. Jesus Christ said, I will give you authority to tread upon serpent and scorpion. Serpent and scorpion is not talking about physical serpent and scorpion. It's talking about demonic power that you can rule over demon, demonic, demonic, demonic authority using the authority of Jesus over them. Because God has elevated the name of Jesus Christ as a name that is higher than every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. So now, because you are in Christ... And Christ has achieved this for us. You can unequivocally say, I have authority with God and I have authority over demonic forces. And therefore, I rule the space which God has given to me. Praise God forevermore. So what I wrote here in my text, I will read, I said, in Christ, because of what he has achieved for us and because we are co-seated together with him, we know being seated together with Jesus Christ is, is in the place of authority. We have the right to intercede for nations and communities to bring the gospel realities to such places. This is not something you have to earn to become. This is your identity. This is who you are in Christ. So the way righteousness was given to Joshua as a gift is the same way it has been given to you. And the purpose of that righteousness, as I conclude, is so that you can be able to walk in the authority that Christ has given to you. Without righteousness, without the robe of righteousness, without an identity of righteousness, you cannot demonstrate authority over demonic forces. Why? Why is that? Because you are constantly going to keep second-guessing yourself. You are constantly going to be seeing yourself as a sinner. Therefore, because you keep seeing yourself as a sinner, you cannot demonstrate the power of God in any situation. So that's the reason why God wants you to get away from what? Seeing consciousness. Seeing yourself as a sinner. God wants you to see yourself as a righteous person. The way righteousness was given to Joshua in this Zechariah chapter 3 without him doing anything. Is the same way righteousness was given to us in Christ without us having to do anything. We earn, we, we don't earn righteousness by works. We believe unto righteousness. We believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says we are declared righteous. Praise God forevermore. Praise God forevermore. So, the free gift that God has given us 
is righteousness. I will continue this next week when I will start talking about the free gift of righteousness. That's what I'm going to talk about next week. The free gift of righteousness, which means you are not earning it. It was given to you as a gift. And it was given to you as a gift for one reason. So that you can what? You can have authority over the temple of God and over its courtyards. And you can walk among the spiritual. When you became born again, you got translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. Your position now, your identity right now, your work right now is a spiritual work. But as you understand righteousness here, you are going to be able to enforce what is already yours in Christ. The authority that has been given to Jesus has been delegated to you and I. But God wants you to use that authority in your office, in your work, at your workplace, in your business, in your house. God wants you to demonstrate his righteousness, his authority everywhere that you go. But the only way to demonstrate that is to embrace this free gift of righteousness. So next week, I'm going to be teaching about the free gift of righteousness. As I talk about the free gift of righteousness, you're going to begin to see that it's totally nonsensical to keep seeing yourself as a sinner when God has said, I will no longer remember your sin. He said, I will no longer remember them. So let's not remember what God has forgotten. Praise God forevermore. Now, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I am going to pray with you. If you have heard this the message so much all your life, where that has condemned you, that has put you in the box, that has made you not to have this intimacy that God desires, I want to pray with you first. If, for example, there are two prayers I'm going to pray. One prayer is somebody who needs to give their life to Jesus, and if you are a believer and you have lived under condemnation for so long, I also want to pray with you. So the first prayer here is if you have never given your life to Jesus, you have never made him your Lord and Savior. This is, this is the day of salvation. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. This is the day of salvation. Don't say, oh, I'll put it off to, to tomorrow. What if tomorrow never comes? So today now you've had the good news. How God has given believers a robe of righteousness. But for you to qualify for that robe of righteousness, you have to give your life to Jesus. And how do you give your life to Jesus? It is very simple. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that God, that Christ died for you and that he was raised again after the third day, the Bible says if you can confess that with your mouth, the Bible says you're saved. So what I will do now is I will ask you to repeat after me some words. If you say that and you believe that in your heart, and you, as you say that in your mouth, with your mouth, the Bible then declares you saved. Are you ready for it? Praise God. Say with me, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your gift of righteousness. Thank you that you came and you died in my place. I believe that after three days, you were raised from the dead for my justification. Thank you for dying in my place. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for having me. In Jesus' name. Amen. So now you've made him your Lord and Savior. You receive him, you, you have received him as your Lord and Savior. And you've made this proclamation among the saints. The Lord declares you as a saint. And now you're saved. So I want to welcome you powerfully into the, to the family of my father. There should be a link on the screen uh, that is going to give you a book called The Call to Sonship. Which, which is a book that I wrote. It's a short book, maybe finish it in like two, two or three days. It talks about how sonship or being a daughter of God or being a son of God is at the heart of God and how you can begin to live that life by depending on what Christ has done and not on what you have done by yourself. Praise God. Now, if you're on, if you're on, if you're, if you're here today and you want me to pray with you, for example, you have been under the guilt and condemnation of the enemy for so long and you want me to pray for you, I want to pray with you right now. If you just put your hand on your chest, please, if you are driving, don't do this, just, just say it after me. But if you're not driving, you're seated, just put your hands on your chest. You know, as I speak, I want this word to enter into your heart to, so that your heart can be pierced by the, by, the, by, the, by the revelation of righteousness. Is that all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these people who have put faith in your word, in the fact that you have declared them blameless, above reproach, Father, therefore, in the name of Jesus, today I agree with them by the power of the Holy Ghost that your power will enter into their heart afresh and read their heart from 
guilt condemnation that as they leave this place they will go and borrow their heads you know bury their heads rather in the word in the word they will go back over this message and listen to it over and over and over and over again until the picture of righteousness leaps up on from their heart in the name of jesus i pray almighty god that this one who god will live in the righteousness consciousness of jesus they will know god that you have already done the work Thank you so much, Almighty God. We declare that even the sun sets free, it's free indeed. I declare that you are free indeed, free from guilt, free from condemnation from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for joining. Now, that's about how much we can cover today. I want you to know that God is with you. God is for you. A couple of things I just want to say is that please do make effort to come to midweek service. Midweek service is just been awesome it's just been awesome you know we've been having we've been having fun with the lord make it a time at six o'clock uk time and if you can't join try and catch up with catch up with the play the play will always be on our youtube channel and uh, you i think either in that same that same night when we finish or the next day you see it on youtube youtube channel listen to it get a notepad take notes go into the world study the world you know your life will not remain the same I'm, I'm challenging you let's make this year a year where we study the word of god like we've never studied before the word of god is a is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path it, it will work for you praise god forevermore uh, by the way if you want to give to the church god is letting your heart to to be a partner for the church remember now we have uh, our own um uh, bank account we've been able to open a bank account at last you know so the, the guys will show it on the screen please if God is laying your heart to support us you know you see the link on the screen you can either pay directly using your bank app or you can pay through PayPal the Lord will bless your giving in the name of Jesus all right father oh Lord I just want to thank you oh God for the gift of life thank you for your people that have patiently you know stood and sat and listened and took note and you know, I'm brought into the light this morning in a different way. I pray, Almighty God, that the words that they've heard today, oh Lord, will not be stolen from their hearts, that they will run with this word for the rest of this week, for the rest of their lives, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we go now, we know that you are with us. We know, Almighty God, that you are going to carry us as you have always carried us. Thank you so much, Heavenly Father. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thank you. Thank you so much for being part of the church. God bless you. And please, uh, I'll see you next week. Do invite somebody to church. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's service. We hope that you were blessed. For love offering, you can give to the church by using the bank details on your screen. You can also use PayPal by scanning the QR code flashing across your screen. God bless you as you give cheerfully. We hope to see you every Wednesday for midweek service at 6 p.m. UK time, every Saturday for prayers, at 6 a.m. UK time and Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. UK time. The replays for today's service will be available across all our social media channels at 10 a.m. UK time. Please subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channels and like, comment and share the messages. Also follow our social media pages to remain informed on all our activities. You can find the links to all our social media pages on the website at www.thelighthouse.org or you can click the link in the description box below. Remember, this is our year of exceeding growth. How would you like to wear faith-conscious and identity-rooted messages that challenge every negative thought and reinforce the righteousness of Jesus in your life. Turns out you can. The Lighthouse Church will soon be launching its online store where you can purchase various items that reinforce God's word in your mind. We hope that this news brightened your day. It sure brightened ours. the church said all we needed was a word from the Lord we've got it so let the church let the whole church
Let the church say, let the church say, man. Oh. I need you to say, when your dream's about to die, knowing that God is not a man, he just can't lie. In spite of what, what the devil Let the church say, let the church say.